your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to a Monday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. In the studio with me is State Senator Brad Paff. Good afternoon, everyone. That's right. It's all right. I'm That's getting right. down. I don't even mess it up anymore. So <laughs> Senate's a little easier than, um, than, uh, than assembly because there's so many assembly seats. Uh, all right. What do you want to talk about today? Well, right? first of all, what great weather we have. Let's hope it lasts up until Memorial Day break. We're doing, we're doing the weather already. Oh, two, two seconds in. Two seconds show. in, we're talking weather. But, boy, it is nice right now, in my opinion. Um, do you? So there's a lot of things going on in locally mm-hmm. in Madison and then the debt ceiling thing which I don't do you pay attention to that I do I feel like there could be not too far in the distant future here where Brad Papp declares he's running for Congress yeah. again I don't know are we you want to declare that right now no oh no no but, we, we have you, to see what happens but do you do you, do you keep your eye on the debt ceiling talk and what is going on with House Republicans and the Biden administration and how they're you know, that is being used as a bargaining chip, I guess. And, and yeah. Or do you be like, I, I, you know what, I, I don't actually, I'm not in the house, so I can't even think about this right now. Well, I do think about it, and the thing is this, is that it, I mean, let's let's just pull back a little bit and recognize that, yes, there is two, there are two political parties in our nation right now, and yes, it seems like everything is partisan, but I think, Everybody can agree that we want our economy to work, and we want to make sure that we can continue to grow this economy. And I think everyone recognizes the fact we don't want to go back to 2020 as far as the year of the pandemic and all of that. We cannot play with the fiscal health of this nation. We need to make sure that we continue to grow this economy. Now, I will say this. We as a nation need to pay our bills we always need to recognize the fact that uh you know the american word and the american dollar is the world's currency we need to recognize that so we cannot play around when it comes to this uh debt ceiling now can we have a conversation about spending going forward you bet but those need to be separate conversations. I believe that the debt ceiling is one conversation and budget discussions are a separate conversation. And I'll use a household analogy here. Um, we've got a credit card. We spent money on this credit card. Visa and MasterCard are asking us, you know what? you got to pay up. The due date is the end of this month. We don't call Visa and MasterCard and say, you know, we promised that you know, we're going to start cutting this or we're going to start cutting that. No, you got to pay up when it comes to, you know, the uh, debt ceiling. And then let's talk about the budget and what we do to reduce spending or how we prioritize going forward from there. These are two separate conversations, and unfortunately, they've been blended into one And unfortunately, partisan politics is part of all of this right now. But I'll tell you what, Wall Street's watching, uh, the world is watching how we react, and uh, we have to make sure that we keep the American dollar uh, the world's gold standard. If we, even holding it hostage or Mm -hmm. the threat of holding it hostage, Mm -hmm. does that, 
It affects my 401k. It sure does. Just to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. The last time this happened, Rick, sadly, was during uh, a time in which we had, again, we had a Democratic president and we had a, a new Republican House of Representatives. And this is what, in 2011. And this was the John Boehner, Barack Obama back and forth that took place. And we actually saw um, our standing as far as our credit rating in this nation get reduced from AAA to AA+. And that's where we stand right now as a nation. Why do we want to repeat this? We had a AAA rating up till 2011. We took this to the brink in 2011. They eventually came to an agreement, but it got downgraded. Uh, our credit rating to a double A plus versus a triple A. Now, what does that mean? Well, I'm no Wall Street, you know, banker, but I can tell you that a triple A is better than a double A plus. Yeah, just look at baseball. Right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, it's weird too because the Obama was president then. Right. That was thir- what twelve, thirteen years. Yeah. Ago. And now we didn't. I don't even. I didn't know what a debt ceiling was. What it, 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 right. if it existed. That we that we do this thing. So there's part of this is like, oh, it brings awareness to it. But the other part is when Trump was president, we did this three times. We didn't even we didn't even know about it. I mean, we did know about it. But the thing is, is Congress just did its job. So I mean, you know, what is a debt ceiling? The debt ceiling basically is the thing that I mean, we wrote it. It's a law that's been written. It's not like it was written by the founding fathers or anything like that. But it's basically, you know, the United States of America, the credit of the United States of America can only reach a particular level and if it reaches that uh, particular level um you know congress the legislative body duly elected by the citizens of this uh, country um you know need to come in and they need to approve it and then the president who's duly elected by the citizens of this country needs to sign it sign off on that well you know this has been taking place on and off you know every couple of years since world war ii and now we're in a point where Janet Yellen is saying by the end of this month or early next month, uh, we will hit this level that we will have at so much debt and that uh, we will not be able to make payments then to those that currently hold that debt. And uh, that is not something that we want to see. And again, this is just a replay of 2011 in which uh, Obama and Boehner had this conversation and w- the U.S. Credit rating got downgraded from a triple A to a double A plus. And we're speaking with State Senator Brad Paff, who was running, and maybe he will next year. That's kind of why we're talking about this, because you, you pay attention to this stuff a little bit better than, than I would be able to decipher. But also, part of the Republicans' demands here, or not part of the Republicans' demands, is that we don't touch military spending, which always balloons by about $50 billion a year. It's, it's like half or more than half of the entire budget of the United States. Why, why is it that every time we do something, it's like hands off the military when the military, when the Pentagon doesn't pass its own audits? And now I think there was a report out that said the, uh, the, the, the powers that be that we buy military equipment from, if you want to go uh, industrial complex, military industrial yep. complex, those, those companies are like way overcharging for everything because, the, because when something's $850 billion, it's really hard to like go through the checklist. You would need a staff of 850 billion people. Well, this is really the time in which we need to make sure that we empower what's called the inspector generals within our Pentagon and with the Department of Defense. Because I will say this and play devil's advocate to a certain extent, Rick. This is the time uh, right now in which we need to make sure that our Pentagon and our Defense Department is laser focused because I don't trust China 
And we know what Putin's doing over in Ukraine right now, and we need to make sure that we're flexible. But that doesn't mean, that does not mean that they have a free reign when it comes to U.S. tax dollars. We need to have these inspector generals that are evaluating everything so we do not have $600 screwdrivers and we have toilet seats that are costing $3,000. And that's exactly what seems to be happening. But how would you even... Like, it, it seems that when it's $850 billion, it just seems mind-boggling and, and to that, go through the checklist and go, oh, wait, exactly. Phillips is $18? That's crazy. Right, and we can go to Menards over here and get it for, you know, six bucks. Well, it's not even Craftsman. Yeah, exactly. So, but the thing is, is so I, I will say this for an individual member of Congress, and I do hold our individual members of Congress, Republicans and Democrats, accountable for the jobs they do. But they need to make sure that they fund the inspector generals within these departments. May it be the Pentagon, uh, may it be a Department of Agriculture, may it be the Department of Education. These inspector generals have a job to do to make sure that your tax dollars and my tax dollars are not being wasted. And what we have seen in the past is when you get a, uh, an administration gets a report back from an, uh, an inspector general that they don't like, that they don't like the findings, they replace the inspector general. Uh-uh. We right. can't be doing that. we got to make sure, because this is your money and my money. Yeah, we need more yes men, right? Now. <laughs> um, all right, that's Brad Paff, State Senator Brad Paff. We'll, he's hanging out with us this hour. We'll continue. We'll, we'll reel it into the state stuff and then even county stuff when we come back. we got to wait for the singing part. Mm-hmm. This is where it gets... Brad, Brad Paff in studio here. He requested GNR. It's a GNR Monday. <laughs> but then I picked Mr. Brownstone, not knowing at all what Mr. Brownstone's about. We better not look it up. No, probably probably not. 608 785 is the talk and text line. Like I said, State Senator Brad Paff hanging out this hour. Um, we were talking about the debt ceiling a little bit, and I, I, I'm i just going to read the text. I, don't, I haven't really... Uh, so the debt ceiling is, this is from Bill, the debt ceiling is like calling Visa MasterCard and insane, I don't have the money, let me raise my credit card limit. So, okay, so you, you hey, can I, can I, Visa, can you raise my credit card limit because I'm going to buy a GTO? So what what this is about, obviously, the, uh, you know, the U.S., uh, we, we continue, we want to continue to grow our economy, and that is the gross national product. So uh, we look at, obviously, there's a lot of things that are, uh, are being evaluated when it comes to uh, the overall line of credit for the United States of America. But one of the things is is making sure that we can continue to have a, an economic policy that will allow our gross uh, domestic product and gross national products to uh, continue to grow. Uh, so, yes, I mean it is a as far as raising the the debt ceiling, it's a it is something that uh, has never not been done. I mean this is. Uh, uh, what this really relies upon is that you know the federal government uh, issues uh, mortgage-backed securities. The federal government obviously um, is uh, issuing various bonds to different bondholders in order to build infrastructure. See, now you're just diving into the <laughs> right. And so that's and what it's about. Yeah, and that's what it's all about. But like it's a said, very good comment. You said the... T.J. Brooks. Is it T.J.? No. T- it? So yeah, T.J. Brooks is an economist at the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse. I need to have and, that. Uh, so I've had. Yeah, a couple of different UD- economists from UWL and from Viterbo on, but I haven't had TJ on. So maybe I'll try to get him on next week. 
uh, because that June 1st deadline is fast or, approaching. Or it's not like a deadline, but it's kind of like a prediction. June it's a 1st. prediction that this Treasury Secretary is uh, forecasting. And again, this stuff, I mean, we're, we're dealing with huge amounts of money. Right. I mean, something that, you know, you and I, it's impossible to even fathom. But, you know, the Treasury Secretary looked at it and she cannot predict, Janet Yellen cannot predict the exact time uh, in which the U.S. is going to bump I'm up still, to this ceiling. Is there a point where the House of Representatives just, you know what, we have too much on the table? Because I just heard that they're going to investigate Hillary Clinton. Really? She's a private citizen right now, but yeah. again, like, Congress Congress has the authority, obviously, to do what it needs to do, but uh, the last um, I checked, she's a private citizen. Sarge texted in, Congress is doing its job. They passed a bill to raise the debt ceiling, and for 97 days, Biden ignored them. Uh, so when he says Congress, I think he means the U.S. That's the House of Representatives. Because the Senate already the Senate, passed this, the bill. Yeah, though the Senate has the Senate has not passed a bill. Oh, so yeah. no, they have not. The House of Representatives has passed uh, uh, they increased the debt ceiling as part of uh, some overall yeah, uh, reductions just, in some uh, budgetary added, spending. Yeah, so you, they 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 passed the House, Republicans in the House passed a bill to raise the debt ceiling but added a bunch of stuff that's never been that and, hasn't been done except for one time with Obama. And that and so we we've got a situation where Congress overall, and I, I understand what the uh, the individual that uh, sent, sent the text in, co- the House of Representatives passed a bill right. that uh, the Congress has I not always, overall. I always say this. I hate using the term Congress. I hate you're in Congress in Wisconsin, but you're not. You're in, yeah, the, in the state Senate. So yeah. there's two different legislative bodies. Yeah. Within Congress, there's two legislative yeah, bodies. Because everyone says Congress all the time, and I'm like, well, yeah. congressman this or that. And I'm like, yeah, he's a U.S. House rep or That's he's right. a state senator. because. Congress is always lumped in with House, and they're two different things. But That's right. Anyway, State Senator Brad Paff hanging out with us. I want to talk about um, shared revenue. Sure. And, and, okay, so this is something. Do you, Okay, I was having a, a conversation with somebody, and, and they said they feel bad for people like you, yeah. a Democrat, Jill Billings, a Democrat. Mm-hmm. You're in the Senate, Billings in the, in the Assembly, because it's Republicans are the people that are going to pass this thing. Do you feel like you have any say at all in like the shared revenue talks? Well, I try to, I mean, it is true. I mean, we have a gerrymandered, uh, legislature right now. What I mean by that is through, uh, the concoctions, the way these districts have been made, there is a, a majority, um, from the other party, but I have a good working relationship, uh, with my legislative colleagues and, uh, you know, I do my very best in order to make sure that, uh, you know, my uh, Republican legislative colleagues know what I'm looking for. Obviously, it's very important that uh, we provide revenue back. Remember, what shared revenue is, and, and this is a gobbledygook government well, term. I, I think I have the easy way. Is it, it, the, the bipartisan part of this is we're going to take one cent out of the five-cent sales, sales tax and send it back to local government. That's right. So the city of La Crosse would get one cent on, on sales tax. Uh, the county would get it. And, and, Kevin, I hung up on you. You can call back. I just yeah. button sometimes. It's no, no worries. Um, so Kevin calls back. Um, but, okay, so that – but it sounds like Republicans in the Assembly and Republicans in your Senate are at odds with they, – uh, they can't agree themselves. So what's happening is is you got the two legislative bodies, the uh, 
State Assembly and State Senate, both controlled by Republicans, they cannot agree amongst themselves what this shared revenue package should look Are like. Are you privy on what they can't agree on? Or Only, you, I'm reading the same stuff that you you're reading. Like a glass up to the door. Nah, right they don't. They're not sharing. See, but, this is what I mean. Like you're yeah. locked out of a conversation. Yeah, I'm not. So you don't even know. I, I'm not. Somebody in the Senate. There's only how many senators? There's 33 state senators. So there's 33. You can't get into the same right. room and all have a conversation. Right. Why not? Yeah. Well, it, wouldn't that be nice? Uh, wouldn't that be nice? Because uh, we're not invited. There's only a select few that are in that room. But I will say this. This is the great thing about what's called checks and balances. Um, it has to be signed into law by the governor. And, of course, right. you know, I continue to communicate with uh, the governor and people within the executive branch. And there's things that obviously I'm looking for. I mean, it is important that we get shared revenue dollars back here to the city of La Crosse, well, what as well as the like village of Holman, as well as our rural communities. What do you like about the bill that, that's been proposed, I guess, by the Assembly? Because the Senate hasn't come, has the, your Senate hasn't had right. a, a Well, one of the things I do like about the fact is they acknowledge that there is a need. I mean, yep. that's a big thing. First of all, to have them acknowledge that there's our a need. Our is so low. Right. So I, I, I greatly appreciate they acknowledge it's necessary. The second thing that they do acknowledge is, is that the existing formula, the way shared revenue set up, it's not just as simple to say every person in every community is you know, going to get an X amount of money. Instead, there's some convoluted formula that's been established over the last 50 years. You know, the bill, the way it's written right now, recognizes that formula maybe isn't the most equitable formula. So they want to make it somewhat, somewhat uh, recognize that they can fix that formula. But by doing that, there is uh, some areas that do better than other areas. And that's a concern. And so, uh, again, there's a lot of moving pieces here, Rick, and I'm not trying to... uh, uh, make this more complicated than it is. I would just want people to know what shared revenue is, is the following. You pay state income taxes, you pay state sales tax. What shared revenue is, is a portion of that income and sales tax will be returned back to your local unit of government. May it be the village of Holman, the city of La Crosse, uh, La Crosse County, or the uh, Vernon County government. And they, in turn, do things like Plow snow, police and fire, uh, pick up your garbage, make sure the potholes uh, within your city street are filled. That is money that comes from the shared revenue. It doesn't come from the property tax. It comes from shared revenue. And that's why it's so important that we get this fixed. All right, Kevin. Kevin's back, I think. Kevin? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, you got a question for Brad? Go ahead. You're on the air. I do. Um, I appreciated your comments about the GDP and the GMP. My question is, wouldn't as a country, and I, I know you're uh, local, but wouldn't as a country uh, generating and potentially exporting more oil and gas um, help our GDP and GMP? Well, there is. First of all, thank you, Kevin. Um, and we do that. I mean, the thing is, I do believe that we need to, when it comes to domestic production, uh, it's always important that uh, we keep as much of it locally as we can um, in this country. So that's important to me. Um, and, but, yes, I, I have been someone that has talked about the fact that when we look at the leasing of these federal lands, that, um, 
you know, we recognize the fact there are natural resources that can help us lower uh, petroleum costs, and that's something that we need to take a look at. I've also been someone that has spoken in the past of making sure that uh, we don't slow walk these permitting processes when it comes to uh, oil and gas leasing. Um, that's all very important. Um, you know, we recognize the fact that we got to find a balance between, you know, conservation efforts um, and, uh, you know, protecting uh, what we've got, but at the same time realizing we need to have an, a, an energy policy that's an all-hands-on-deck and an affordable energy policy, an affordable transportation policy, um, you know, so we can, uh, you know, we can t continue to move our goods and get ourselves to work and, uh, you know, continue to fill up our uh, gas tanks without going broke. I had I'm, I can't find their names anymore. I'll, I'll search for it in a minute here. But they, some environmental, um, an environmental group, a couple guys came in. We mm -hmm. talked about one of the things they brought up is if Wisconsin converted all of its energy to green energy, whether it's wind, solar, mm -hmm. hydro, then then we wouldn't be. We would it would bring in like seventeen. I think it was there was it was tens of billions of dollars. Within the state, because that would be self-sufficient if we just ran everything, and we could do it. It would take it would it would take overhauling the grid, mm -hmm. which is you know mm -hmm. who knows how many billions, mm -hmm. and then just converting all that energy. But all that energy would be local then, you know, right. like we would produce, and then we wouldn't have to give that money to Saudi right. or whatever. So yeah. I don't know. It's kind of and, interesting. And it, that's the whole thing. It, we here in Wisconsin do not have coal. Obviously, and we also in Wisconsin uh, do not have oil. So I do recognize that, but uh, you know I also recognize the fact that we need to have a domestic uh, uh, energy policy uh, that works. And uh, you know, as we saw uh, last year, energy prices got really, really expensive, and it was uh, it really had a burden upon our working families. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four is the talking text line. Brad Path hanging out with this hour. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. State Senator Brad Paff, Wisconsin State Senator Brad Paff, hanging out this hour. If you have questions, shoot me a text, give us a call. We're talking about, well, we're just, we're kind of talking about a little bit of everything, I suppose. <laughs> um, shared revenue a little bit, uh, the debt ceiling nationally, where, you know, mm -hmm. we're holding the debt ceiling hostage a little bit. Um, uh, Kevin called in and, and asked about energy production. Yeah. Which was kind of a, it led to a conversation, did I close the window? I bet I closed it. No, I didn't. It led to a conversation that I had in the past with, um, I'm going to, I can't hit this button to look at their name exactly, but Tim, uh, what is it? Nichols? Nick Nichols. Nick Nichols, who, yeah. and, and um, I had this conversation about the environment a couple of weeks ago, and I'll tell you who they work for, or their group in a minute, but this is the conversation when, when I bring up. You know, if we could, we could just produce energy out of Wisconsin. This is the conversation that we had the other day. The report said uh, is that if we converted our energy system within the state of Wisconsin to all electricity. Now, this includes transportation. It includes uh, uh, production of heat, production of cooling, all of our energy sources to electricity, and tr and created that electricity within our state. Because right now we don't have most of the energy energy generation capacity. What I mean is we don't have coal, we don't have oil, we don't have natural gas. We have to import these things. Yeah, we're outsourcing the, yeah. the energy. Resources. So what we're doing is we're sending 14 billion dollars of our money 
in the state of Wisconsin. We're sending it to Wyoming and Illinois and Indiana and, and Saudi North Arabia. Dakota and Saudi Arabia. Every and year. Canada. Every year. Every year. If we did this with our economy and transformed all of our industry to electricity uh, and created it here, we would eliminate that $14 billion deficit that we spend every year, add $13 billion to our state's GDP, and create 162,000 jobs. So we'd add. So that's a that's like a twenty seven million dollar or billion dollar swing, right? Fourteen million you'd save. You'd create thirteen billion, and all the jobs. But a, a, a vast undertaking. Yeah, that'd be a vast undertaking. I have not read that report, so that is obviously something that needs to be uh, reviewed. I will say this: um, you know, when it comes to energy, we want to make sure that it's dependable. We want to make sure, obviously, that it's reliable. We turn on the light switch; the lights come on. And it's got to be affordable. Yeah, we've got to baby steps. Our, our yeah, well, it's got to be affordable. We just, it's got to be affordable. Now, what we're, we're seeing changes obviously taking place with these electric vehicles that are starting to become on the uh, market. So there are, there's a conversation about what we're going to do. And as far as making sure that we've got EV charging stations that are ubiquitous all over the state, um, you know, those kind of uh, conversations. Uh, but what we also run into, Rick, is the fact that uh, NIMBYism, not in my backyard. I mean, we, there's a lot of conversations as far as renewable energy and making sure that uh, uh, we have renewable energy. But at the same time, you know, the uh, wind uh, uh, the wind tower's got to go somewhere and the solar panel's got to go somewhere. And, of course, that's where you start getting to local zoning and this NIMBYism. And so this is... Uh, you know, this very important conversations that people are having, um, but you know, we also need to make sure that uh, uh, we recognize that uh, we want uh, electricity and energy to be affordable. It needs to be dependable and obviously extremely reliable. That uh, it's it's there and uh, the lights don't go out. At the end of that rainbow, when we yeah. talk about <laughs> converting everything to electricity and everything runs on solar, wind, or hydro, if we got there, the electricity would pay for itself because we're just using the sun you know that's the whole mm -hmm. idea of green energy is because it's it's essentially free except for the infrastructure yeah it's, you got to build this infrastructure but now we have to baby step our way right. but the state isn't doing any of that right well now, so we? that so uh it's interesting because what happened in 2022 uh the previous congress and uh, president biden signed into law they, they passed in the law that bipartisan infrastructure bill and they also passed the inflation reduction act there's things, a that are, things that are getting trying to get repealed in the debt ceiling. That's that is correct. <laughs> but there is there is uh, there's a tremendous amount of financial investment uh, that will come back uh, to help transform and take these baby steps um, as far as investment in renewable fuels um, and renewable energy. But again, uh, w that is all very very important. But it also is going to depend upon uh, local local zoning and uh, local regulation as well because again these solar panels have to go somewhere right. and these uh, wind turbines have to go well, somewhere lacrosse county's doing that they're putting solar panels on top of the, some of the buildings i feel like we have buildings all over the place. yeah and there's yeah and, there, and that's the interesting thing is what can we do as a local what can we do as a state when it comes to building codes um and working with the builders and working with uh, realtors and others to make sure that we have, um, you know, that the our the homes that we have, because we boy we get cold weather as we all know, need to be as efficient as they possibly can be, 
um, when it comes to energy efficient and also, you know, affordable to house these things, uh, to make sure that they heat them affordably. 608-785-7914. That's State Senator Brad Paff. Okay, back to shared revenue. Yeah. We get off tangent, but it's that's what we do when we come in. Right. We just go off on a tangent on something. Um, I asked you what you liked about the plan that, that had come out. Um, I, I think the bipartisan part of it, everyone likes. It's one cent at every five cent of mm-hmm. sales tax. Some of that stuff that I didn't like, I don't know. Do you do you have problems with like counties can't have referendums anymore yeah. unless they have to deal with? But so it's funny to me when the when this when the Republicans in the legislature say counties you can't put referendums on your ballot anymore, but they never said that we as the state can't. Right. If they did it both ways, then I'd be okay. Well, at least you're even Stephen right. there. But also like the police stuff that was in there, right. I don't know. Did some of that stuff get taken out? Does does Le- Lemahieu in the 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 state uh? Senate, what do you call it? Yep, leader? Sta- yep. The Senate leader does, I mean, when, when the negotiations clash, I mean, where is the clash between the Assembly Republicans and the Senate Republicans? I think you identified it, and that's about the local referendums. Um, and, um, you know, because it's, let's pass a clean bill. I mean, I, I want to let the negotiations take place. First of all, going back to the very basics, uh, the fact that we're actually having a conversation where the governor's office is actually communicating with the legislative I leaders. Again, I think that's a the good bar thing. Is so low it's for so you guys. low. I know. We're having a conversation. <laughs> oh, good job. Wow. I am so happy that we're actually having that conversation. So I don't want to do anything to stop that. I do think that let's pass I would like to see us pass a clean bill that doesn't have is, this other side when, stuff. When you say that, is that you don't want to be talking to a, a public radio audience a radio, a, right. out there publicly bashing one thing or the other yeah. because you don't want to step on the negotiations? Yeah, I want the negotiations okay. to actually take place. I do. I want the negotiations to take place. Um, but I do think that it needs to be a, a bill talking about shared revenue. And within that bill on shared revenue, it makes sure that a – percentage of that and i think a significant percentage of that new money needs to go to police and fire i support that now this other stuff that's being brought into conversation about referendums and you know what can and cannot take place at the local level eh, yeah cities and cities and municipalities would be okay hey you want 80% 80% of the, or all of it, I think the Republican plan is all that money from the shared revenue plan goes to police, fire, EMS. A significant it, part of it. Is it transportation? Is it like roads funding? Well, we, that's, there's an important part of it. They have, uh, the governor has, the fact, I believe 35% of the new revenue in shared revenue needs to go to police and fire. Right. And uh, the Republicans have at least that. And I'm not opposed to the fact I think that. I the Republican plan is 100%. No, they have created they've created oh, what's they called an innovation fund. And yep. what that innovation fund is is would to encourage where uh, to encourage um, consolidation. consolidation. Now, you know, I, that's a that's a good concept an except if you're in a very rural area when you have nothing to consolidate. Well, Holman tried that with the Lacrosse Fire Department, right? Yeah, I mean, kind. and and it didn't work. I think leadership at the Holman Fire Department kind of dissolved and and Lacrosse lost their fire chief and now has a new one but um just essentially a consolidate part of like communities would be awarded by republicans that's right. for consolidating something like taking the lacrosse fire department and the Alaska fire department and making it one big fire department where you have one you are, you're only paying one that. fire chief maybe and they could demonstrate that there would be savings financial savings okay. um and again uh theoretically you know on paper it's a 
quality concept. And I will never say it's not a quality concept. The, the other situation we have is I have a situation in this state Senate district. We have rural areas that are struggling to even have a fire department, to have EMS. Um, they have volunteer EMS and volunteer firefighters, and they don't have enough volunteers. Yeah, and so what is consolidation going to do with that? Right. Um, you know, and this whole rural area has uh, all these volunteers. So, uh, it, again, it's a good concept. It's a, uh, you know, theoretically it makes a lot of sense. I'm not opposed to it, and I could see where it would work in urban areas and suburban areas. But, again, we're talking about a statewide piece of legislation. All right, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. State Senator Brad Paff hanging out. All right, one more break. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. State Senator Brad Paff hanging out for this hour. Uh, he's District 32, which is a giant district. You Beautiful district. We never did the thing. Oh, yeah. All the way down to Look, Prairie Yeah, it goes from the Black River north of Holman all the way down to Prairie du Chien, the Wisconsin River. About <laughs> 88 miles north to south and about 58, 60 miles east how to far, west. How far west are we going? Or east are we going? Oh, we're east? going all the way east uh, into the Monroe County line. Monroe, Juneau County line. Okay, so how many county board meetings 50 are you miles. watching, Brad? Well, I <laughs> watch a few. Have? I have four. Four counties. Yeah. Okay. So La Crosse County had their monthly meeting last mm-hmm. Thursday, and part of their conversation was to, and they debated this, they didn't pass anything, uh, allocate $3 million more in funding for roads and bridges. And in my head, like I think it's the easiest thing to go, yeah, because everyone can agree that we need to fix the roads. Every time you see a pothole, you just, mm-hmm. um, even though this is like, well, anyway. Um, it is the, our counties that are, that are hurting for funding for roads and Lacrosse County is at seven million, and now I think they went from five to seven million, mm-hmm. and now they want to go to ten apparently. Mm-hmm. But are they are counties better off just waiting because there's seven billion dollars in budget surplus, and some of that should come to us as road funding? It will through shared revenue. Okay, and that's why we got to get the shared revenue thing done correctly. Um, what I think, and I have not followed the Lacrosse County specifically, but I believe what they're doing is they're putting together their budget, what they want it to look like for the upcoming fiscal year and they want to put more money into road uh, maintenance and i personally think that's a good thing um because it is the one thing that connects us is our transportation system it's the one thing that uh you know i mean gets people to work it gets kids to school it makes sure that uh you know we can get our goods our products to market all of that is so very important so you know, this is a local decision that Lacrosse County wants to make within their budget, but they are looking evidently of increasing their uh, transportation funding. And as sadly, uh, Rick, the other thing that's happened because of these inflationary pressures, that uh, I mean, asphalt costs more than it did right. two years ago. I think that was and everything part of the conversation. Else. Yeah, and I don't even know if this was budget. I think they wanted to add three million more because the price of yeah. doing that all yeah. costs more. It, it costs so much money just to do a, a one mile of a repaving on a county highway that will eat in their where, budget. There's a point here where if we do too much, if we if we just did all the road construction, here's a billion dollars, mm-hmm. do all the county road construction in it, mm-hmm. like then everybody would be mad because every road would be under construction. Every road would be under construction. Like drive yeah. down the main drag at oh. the cross right now. <laughs> well, drive on the interstate. I drive back and forth to Madison, and I'll tell you, oh, man, uh, we needed, we obviously got to keep uh, I-90-94, um, you know, open and going, but, Wow, back Flying up. cars would solve all this. <laughs> uh, Clyde's calling in. Clyde from the highlands of Onalaska, I believe. Clyde. Hi. 
Highlands of the town of Onalaska. Town, my bad. Town of Onalaska. Okay, Hello. Go ahead, Clay. There we go. Now, uh, battery uh, battery technology has to increase uh, probably four, five, six-fold before any transportation battery would even be should they be considered in wisconsin cold winters hot summers back last fall chevrolet had uh, a commercial highlighting all their ev uh all their their ev line Mm -hmm. and everybody was driving around happily singing some some uh some song that was very annoying but if you look at the what the condition the conditions outside the vehicle was and what the people were wearing they were all wearing light jackets or sweatshirts right thanks for the call Clay. um yeah if you want to get back to you technology needs to continue to improve yeah everybody having an electric vehicle doesn't work great in the north because the batteries yeah i think the battery power drops by 30 percent in the cold we get it we could we could update all the other infrastructure though because uh you know the way we heat our house could be changed and the way we get electricity could be from solar which costs euro dollars because there's a sun in the air um all right i want to move on from that stuff i I see everyone gets very like Mm -hmm. opinionated Mm -hmm. when you talk about like converting to to an energy that doesn't cost any money in the end um last thing uh the homeless issue, mm-hmm. lacrosse in the city and the county are, are. We had people at a parks board meeting. Mm-hmm. People came to a parks board meeting. I think maybe they let the cat out of the bag, and that's why they showed up. But uh, there's homeless people. If you go to the farmers market on Friday in, Cam- mm-hmm. in Cameron Park, there's homeless people mm-hmm. on the other side of the park. Uh, people don't like to see those homeless people during my farmers market. It's kind mm-hmm. of selfish, kind of weird. Uh, but what is the state doing? Is it is it in the budget? Is it in the shared revenue? Is there anything about helping homeless people? Yes. Or, or at least deporting them to another state? Well, no, not the uh, – I will say this. There is dollars that uh, are there. The shared revenue will play an important role in that. But, yes, the state also has uh, programs that uh, working with our county governments and with our local municipalities when it comes to uh, assisting uh, those that uh, – you know, are displaced at this time. And those are feeding programs. Those can be, uh, uh, you know, uh, job employment uh, search uh, assistance programs. They can be programs that, uh, you know, help uh, with the temporary re- relief. All of that is so very, very uh, important. But I will say this, is here in La Crosse and in La Crosse County, I mean, we do have a a very loving uh, and supportive network, and I'll just tip my hat. And I'm going to miss some, and I shouldn't do this, but the Salvation Army, uh, Catholic Charities, uh, Cooley Cap. I say thank you, YWCA. the YWCA. I thank all of them very, very much. Um, you know, they uh, they do good work. From what I understand, you know, just talking about this, all, you know, all all the time, not all the time, but quite a bit. Is the cross is kind of an island, mm-hmm. and people, homeless people from out. Side the region come to the region because those mm-hmm. groups that you just mentioned are here to help people that are homeless and therefore mm-hmm. they end up in the parks because they don't they don't have homes mm-hmm. but more more of them congregate here because that's where the help is and that's where and rick you bring up a very good point and that's where as a state senator you know i represent obviously rural areas and i talk a lot about that but i also represent the city of lacrosse and the thing is is that you know a lot of people say a lot of things about the city of lacrosse but they say a lot of good things because the city of La Crosse provides the services um, to a variety of, of, of different communities 
people that live in different communities that may not have the same services. And uh, we've got the uh, the libraries here and uh, you know, the hospitals that are here. And, um, and it's very important that we get a shared revenue program that uh, works between urban and rural and suburban. All right. That's all the time we have. Thanks, Brad. Thank you.